If you are eating a low carb diet and not taking a vitamin supplement, then there is a good chance you are not getting enough thiamine in your diet. In our second segment of our vitamin mini series, we are talking all about our first B vitamin, thiamine, only here on the People Scientist Podcast. Listening to the People Scientist, the podcast dedicated to helping us optimize our health with the latest scientific findings on nutrition, health, and medicine. I, your host, Dr. Stephanie Caligiuri, a nutritionist, physiologist, and neuroscientist, will be here with you every single week, bringing us information to ignite our thinking to help us be one step closer to the healthiest we can be. Hello, my People Scientist Army, and welcome back to the People Scientist Podcast for Episode 30. Today, I'm going to share with you some information on the B vitamin thiamine. And as always, I think there will be some interesting things that will surprise you. So, as we always do, let's start off with some core takeaways. Thiamine is also called vitamin B1. This vitamin plays a really important role in our body, particularly for our energy levels and for our nervous system to work properly. Because of its important role, deficiencies in thiamine can have quite a few negative health effects. The recommended amount of daily thiamine is 1.2 mg for adult men and 1.1 mg for adult women. The greatest sources of thiamine include carbohydrate-rich foods such as fortified cereals, rice, bread, and pasta. As low-carbohydrate eating is becoming more common, if individuals are not taking a supplement or are not conscientious of their nutrient intake, then it may be difficult to achieve that recommended amount of thiamine. I will go into detail in this episode on which foods are rich in thiamine, so how about we get into those details. So let's talk about the first B vitamin, thiamine. Now, thiamine was actually the first vitamin to be discovered in the early 1900s when they noticed certain symptoms that kept progressing, and they called this collection of symptoms beriberi. And it was later discovered that the cause of beriberi was thiamine deficiency. Martins and colleagues in 2003 detailed that a daily intake of 1.1 milligrams or 1.2 milligrams for adult men and women respectively, is required for proper functioning of several enzymes that are important for energy metabolism, for the production of neurotransmitters in our brain, such as acetylcholine, for the production of the molecules making up the cell's genetic material, meaning to make our nucleic acids. It's important for the production of fatty acids and steroids, In addition, if the enzymes that are dependent on thiamine are not being produced or are not functioning properly because of a thiamine deficiency, then this can interfere with the body's defenses against oxidative stress. Now, oxidative stress can occur, for example, from air pollution, cigarette smoke, high sugar intake in our diet, or eating fried foods, for example. And if we don't get enough thiamine in our diet, then we may have a reduced ability to fight against these stressors. 
Because of the important function of thiamine, if we don't take in enough of this B vitamin, then we can have many health symptoms, negative health symptoms. For example, a thiamine deficiency may lead to low energy levels. We may have deficits in our brain's ability to properly function, leading to, for example, confusion, irritability, deficits in cognition and memory. It may also affect our peripheral nervous system and cause tingling or loss of sensation in the hands and feet, or even loss of ankle or knee reflexes. Thiamine deficiency can also lead to low levels of steroids in our body. In addition, the cells of the nervous system and heart seem particularly sensitive to the effects of thiamine deficiency, which could lead to weakness and cardiovascular effects such as an enlarged heart. This has been shown many times, for example, by Horwitt in 1948, Inouye and Katsura in 1965, Platt in 1967, Williams in 1942, and Wilson in 1983. So these are all very well established of thiamine's effects and the deficiencies of thiamine. Individuals that are at risk for thiamine deficiency include those living with chronic alcohol abuse. Wernicke's encephalopathy is a condition that can occur as a result of severe thiamine deficiency. This is most common in those with alcohol use disorder, as chronic alcoholism impairs both intestinal thiamine absorption, and it also increases thiamine requirements. Now, the symptoms of Wernicke's encephalopathy include confusion, paralysis of the nerves that move the eyes, and an impaired ability to coordinate movements. For example, they may have an abnormal way of walking. This condition of Wernicke's encephalopathy may actually present as though someone were intoxicated, even though they aren't. Wernicke's encephalopathy may also be more common in those living with HIV, in those with intestinal malabsorption, such as in those with very severe Crohn's disease, or it may also occur in those that have undergone bariatric surgery or gastric bypass surgery. If thiamine deficiency is corrected before the development of significant brain damage, then the, these symptoms, these neurological symptoms, may be completely reversible. However, if a thiamine deficiency persists and goes untreated for a really long time, then it can result in permanent brain damage and having these symptoms last permanently. Some children and adults with this condition of serious thiamine deficiency can display similar brain changes on MRI scans. Specifically, they'll see changes in the symmetry of the hyperintensity signal in the mammillary bodies, the thalamus, the periaqueductal gray areas, and they may also see changes in the basal ganglia and the frontal lobes of the brain, particularly in children that may be growing up malnourished. Now, because of thiamine's important role in our brain functioning, it has been hypothesized that Thiamine could play an important role in mood disorders such as depression, or it could even potentially play an important role in neurodegenerative diseases such as in dementia. Now to support this, Zhang in 2012 reported that thiamine levels in the blood were inversely associated with measures of depression in a population of individuals living in China. So this means that the lower their thiamine levels in their blood, the higher their measures of depression. Now, when comparing those with the lowest thiamine levels to those with the highest thiamine in their blood, the odds of having high measures of depression were two to three-fold higher in those with thiamine deficiency. 
Galea in 2016 conducted a clinical trial to see if thiamine supplementation would improve measures of depression. In a group of 51 individuals diagnosed with major depressive disorder, all of the patients received a medication to, to treat their depression, but half also received a thiamine supplement containing 300 milligrams of thiamine, and the other half received a placebo. Now, by week three, both groups had improved equally, likely due to the antidepressant medication that they were on. By week six, the thiamine supplementation group had improved 10% more than the placebo group. However, by week 12, the improvements in depression measures were equal in the thiamine and placebo group. So, in conclusion, the authors stated that it appears that thiamine may increase the speed at which antidepressants induce some benefit, but in the long term, adding thiamine supplementation to an antidepressant medication did not seem to be superior to the medication itself. But perhaps these individuals were not deficient. So if someone does have a deficiency in thiamine, then they are more likely to see a benefit with a supplement of thiamine. Now, according to animal models, thiamine deficiency may play a role in the development of Alzheimer's disease. For example, thiamine deficiency produces oxidative stress in neurons, which can lead to the death of neurons in the brain. This can lead to loss of memory, plaque formation in the brain, and changes to glucose or sugar metabolism in the brain, which are all key markers of Alzheimer's disease. Autopsy studies have shown that transketolase and other thiamine-dependent enzymes have decreased activity in the brains of people with Alzheimer's disease. So these data are preliminary and have not proven a connection between thiamine and Alzheimer's, but given the important role of thiamine in the functioning of our nervous system, it makes sense to obtain adequate amounts of thiamine in our diet in order to prevent any potential negative health consequences. And if by chance it may reduce the risk of Alzheimer's just by a little bit, then I think it's worth it because it will also reduce the risk of other negative health consequences that are associated with thiamine deficiency as well. Keogh in 2012 noted that study participants in a weight loss program that were living with type 2 diabetes had higher requirements for thiamine. Now, in their diet, they had adequate levels of thiamine. They were getting their daily requirement, even though they were reducing their calorie intake. However, the thiamine levels in their blood dramatically decreased compared to baseline. So the authors noted that during weight loss or calorie restriction, our thiamine requirements may be elevated due to perhaps increased energy metabolism, perhaps due to increased fat mobilization and having to turn that fat into energy. So if you are following intermittent fasting, as I spoke about two weeks ago, or are following any weight loss program, it is possible that your, your thiamine requirements may be elevated more so than usual. Now, the highest sources of thiamine are fortified cereals, fortified grains, and breads that are made with fortified or supplemented flour. Other sources of thiamine include whole grains, brown rice, dried seaweed, wheat germ, flaxseed, soy, a variety of nuts, with macadamia nuts appearing the highest, legumes such as beans and chickpeas, eggs, pork is the highest animal meat for thiamine, and next would be trout, followed by beef. Now to put this into context for the amount of food we have to eat in order to meet our thiamine requirement, let's say for example, if we were eating cereals and grains, 
you would only need 25 grams of Kellogg's Bran Flakes to give the daily requirement of thiamine because a lot of these cereals happen to be supplemented or fortified with thiamine. But if you are eating a lower carbohydrate diet or don't like to eat breakfast cereals, then how else can you get your thiamine? Well, for example, in 45 grams of dried seaweed, you can get your daily requirement of thiamine, although that is quite a bit of dried seaweed. Four eggs gives 100% of thiamine requirements, but again, four eggs is a lot to eat in one day. 30 grams of ground flaxseed, which is about three heaping tablespoons, plus 30 grams of sunflower seeds gives nearly the daily amount of thiamine, so that seems more reasonable to obtain. As I said, pork is the meat with the highest amount of thiamine, as about 100 grams of roasted pork can give almost 100% of your daily thiamine needs. 100 grams of beef steak may only provide about 10% of your thiamine needs, depending on the cut of the steak and how long it was cooked for, as thiamine is heat sensitive. So if something is cooked at a high temperature for a long period of time, it's more likely that, that the thiamine will degrade. Another way to obtain your daily thiamine needs is to have, for example, 100 grams of dry roasted soybeans with half a cup of cooked black beans with 60 grams of peanuts. That, for example, is another way to get 100% of your thiamine requirements. So it is certainly possible to get enough thiamine in your diet if you are eating low carbohydrate, but it may take a bit more effort because the government has made it more simple by fortifying a lot of these foods like cereals, flour, and grains to make sure that as a, as a society that we're getting enough B vitamins. But if we're cutting those foods from our diet, may take a little bit more effort or just a little bit more thought to make sure that we're getting enough thiamine. It's also important to keep in mind that certain foods may also block the effects of thiamine. These are called thiamine antagonists or thiaminases. These, for example, can be found in raw fish and gallic acid containing tannins found in some teas and beetle nuts, for example. It won't have a significant impact on your thiamine levels unless quite a bit of these are consumed regularly. If you do consume a lot of tea or raw fish or beetle nuts, then perhaps add extra sources of thiamine to your diet to combat that. Remember, thiamine is a water-soluble vitamin, so that means it is not stored very well in our body, and we need to take in adequate amounts of thiamine regularly. So just keep that in mind. In North America and some places, fortification of grains and cereals with B vitamins is common. The government instilled this in order to make sure that we're getting enough B vitamins. But if you cut these fortified foods out of your diet, like many that follow a low-carbohydrate diet have, then you're also cutting out sources of B vitamins. And this may lead to less energy levels, confusion, numbness and tingling in the hands and feet. And if it progresses further, may potentially lead to mood changes, impact heart health, and impair your reflexes. You could also consider taking a multivitamin supplement, particularly if you're following a low-carbohydrate and a weight loss program, as it appears from that one clinical trial that weight loss increases thiamine requirements. But then it begs the question, if you're going to take a supplement, can you take too much thiamine? Well, there actually is no tolerable upper intake level set for thiamine, meaning there have been no negative or adverse effects observed with higher doses of thiamine as the body will remove the excess thiamine via the urine. It doesn't mean that you can take enormous amounts, but clinical trials have looked at even 300 times the recommended dose, 
at 300 milligrams per day with no negative side effects. So that is a wrap, my People Scientist Army. This is the second episode of our vitamin mini-series. Thiamin was the first vitamin to be discovered and is important for our energy levels and proper functioning of our brain and nervous system. I challenge all of my listeners today to add up how much thiamin was in the foods you ate today. You can search online the thiamin content of your food and see if it added up to 1.1 or 1.2 milligrams for the day. If not, then consider adding some of the foods I listed earlier in this episode or look into taking a vitamin supplement. Make sure to follow me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn, and let me know what you think of the show by leaving me a review or sending me a message. I love hearing your feedback because that is what allows me to make this podcast better and informative for all of you. So I hope you all have a super healthy week, and I will meet you back here next week, the same time and the same place for another episode on the People Scientist Podcast. Bye for now. I am a scientist simply sharing scientific evidence. Some of the clinical interventions I discuss are not appropriate for everyone. Before making any changes to your diet or lifestyle, please do consult the advice of your physician or dietitian. My opinions expressed here do not necessarily reflect those of Mount Sinai Hospital and its affiliates. Thank you.